We've been in a series called Abide. We're ending it today. If uh, you're here for the first time and just listening in, then uh, I really encourage you to go back and listen to our podcasts online. Uh, all the last five messages uh, are updated and you can listen in and, and uh, follow along and catch up and maybe see how this morning's message fits into that. And as we've been doing um, as a practice, we've been reading this, this one text together every, every week in this Abide series, and the text has been John 15, John 15, uh, verses 1 to 17. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it, just take a minute and turn to it. We've been reading it together because we want to also, just a spiritual practice of absorbing the words of Jesus together, and even this is an act of worship. And so we're going to read it together again one last time in this series and uh, just let the words, uh, yeah, roll over our hearts and minds and then jump into this morning's talk. So please read along with me. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. Father, we just, we pause our hearts right now. Thank you that we can even engage together as a community in the spiritual practice of reading your words. Um, and so we just say welcome to what you want to do in us, what you want to say to us. Uh, God, I pray particularly for anyone here this morning, including myself, if there's something specific you want us to hear or be concerned about or uh, dwell on God. I just, I, we welcome the work of your spirit to do that. Regardless of where we are on our spiritual journey, Lord, we know that you can come and flood our lives and our hearts. Um, and so we, we pray for that, God. And for maybe some who have come with a heavy heart today, we just pray that you would 
uh, lift them up. As I'm praying, God, I'm, you just remind me of this, uh, this family in the Vaudreuil area whose seven-year-old daughter was killed this last weekend, and I can't imagine the pain that, uh, that, uh, that's going uh, through those that were close to these people, and we don't know all the circumstances or the reasons or how something like this uh, can happen. But God, we, just, we lift up this situation. We pray for neighbors in the area to walk with them. We pray for Westsiders in the area to be light um, in that community, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, man, you know, January and February is often rewards seasons. You know, there's the Oscars, there's the Grammys, there's the Super Bowl. It's all like, like a, lot of, a lot of pursuit for something, and it's hard not to notice. And it sometimes feels like the awards, the events, the, the prestige, the holidays, sometimes are this prize for like, I've made it type of life, you know? Whether it's Katy Perry, who sang with fake sharks on, uh, you know, at the Super Bowl, whether it was Tom Brady who got his fourth Super Bowl victory, whether it's someone who won best actor or best uh, screenplay or best music or the commercials that kind of, you know, really make us want to eat Dorito chips, whatever it might be, it just seems as though, you know, part of that, as, as great as it is, there's something in those in those events and, and as, as, as culture watches them literally from around the world, and I think there's this underlying question that sometimes creeps up inside of us is, you know, does my life measure up? Uh, you know, maybe you have no dream to dance on stage with fake sharks, but there's something about, you know, maybe what's going on in Katy Perry's life. You say, oh, what am I doing with my life? Or you watch a commercial or you, you see somebody win a prize. And sometimes that question, is my life meaningful? What, what, was, what has my life produced? And it's interesting, you know, John 15, as we just read, it gives us this perspective on what Jesus thinks about this kind of stuff. Nine times in John 15, we read the word fruit. And this whole series in abiding in Christ has, part of that is the outflow is, what, what fruit do we produce with our life? And we, feel, you know, the first message in this series was, unless you abide, you will never thrive. Part of that thriving sense of life is, is a life of fruitfulness. In verse 16, Jesus says these words towards the end of this section that he's speaking to his disciples. And he says, you did not choose me. And he says, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. What an amazing verse. Jesus has chosen us, appointed us to be fruitful. To, to live a life that produces something in and through us. And so to abide in Jesus, we've been walking through it for six weeks, to abide in Christ is naturally to be fruitful. If we're connected to him, as branches are connected to a vine, fruit will grow. And we've unpacked what abiding in Christ means, but today I want to ask this question. What does it look like, or what does a fruitful life look like? What does a fruitful life look like? For some people, it's being really busy. I mean, busy maybe feels fruitful, like I have my calendar filled uh, may, many of us are good at being busy. Some of us are good at being popular. Some of us are good at being active. I don't remember a time in my life that I wasn't busy doing stuff, like school to summer work and back to school and back to work and then 
projects and uh, helping my church out with something, friends and families. It seems like I can go back 25 years and and it's hard to really identify a, a season where I was like, I wasn't really busy. And, you know, I don't, have, I don't know about you, I don't have time filling up my calendar. That's one thing I don't have a problem with. I don't have a, I don't have a problem filling up my calendar. Maybe some of us feel the same way. I, and I read this quote this week from Eugene Peterson. He says, busyness is an illness of the spirit. Busyness is an illness of spirit. And so even though we can get busy, I think if we just pause a second and ask this question, when I look back to seasons of my life, they weren't always fruitful. Often they were busy, but they weren't always fruitful. So what does Jesus mean by fruit? What does is, what is a fruitful life look like? And so I want to I shape our understanding of, uh, of this through a few phrases and through a few themes. And so really simple, it, it's these, these uh, four themes, in, through, for, and free. In, through, for, and free. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting because just these first two themes, if you think about the first one, in and through, Often in the discussions Jesus has with his disciples, including this one in John 15, he often has these two themes that come up often. And one of the themes is, guys, pay attention to what I'm doing in you and pay attention to what I want to do through you. Those two themes often come up. And the first one, what am I doing in you, is so crucial. And so if we can think first, this first part of this framework, how when I abide in Christ... What would it look like to, for fruit to grow in me? And that's part of our character. You know, Jesus challenges his disciples many times about what it means to be a disciple, or if you want to be my disciple, and then he goes on to describe it, or he says, this is what my kingdom looks like, and this is what ki- people of the kingdom look like, and this is what he's hoping and praying for to grow inside of them. Sometimes, I mean, once the disciples are struggling with leadership and uh, how to govern people in their circles, and Jesus says, you know, don't lord over people like, the, like culture does. Don't lead people like the culture does. He says, you're not meant to be like that. You're different. Jesus says, yes, the world does things this way, but we're, you know, I'm calling you to live a different way. And so fruit for Jesus, at the outset of this framework of what it means to live a fruitful life, fruitful Jesus, fruit, fruit for Jesus is the kind of person we are becoming. Not necessarily what we're, just what we're doing, but the kind of person we're becoming. And that's so important. If we look and just scan the New Testament and we, we get a sense of what fruit looks like in the New Testament, one of the main passages is Galatians chapter 5. And Galatians chapter 5 has this interesting, this is Paul writing to this early church and, he's, and he writes, the fruit of the Spirit, so here's the word fruit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or some translations is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a sense of something happens when we let Jesus lead our lives and he lives in us, we live in him, and then fruit grows. So for Paul, abiding in Christ is this language, being led by the Spirit. Just uses different words. Being led by the Spirit is saying, Jesus, as I live in you, I long for you to live in me. And as that happens, fruit is going to grow. Fruit is going to start to bloom. And he, we read this list, and it's not, it's not conclusive, but it's, it's important. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But you can add courage and resilience and integrity and hope. You can add the different fruits of the Spirit that happen when, when we live in Christ and then His Spirit leads us. And so 
one of the fruits of abiding and one of the, 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 um, you know, the expressions of a fruitful life is fruit growing in you and in me, his character growing in us. I'm sure you get all those posts if you're on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere on the internet, you know, from Huffington Post or Inc. Magazine or Fast Company magazines, like Seven Ways to Be Successful or Three Things That All Successful People Do or The Four Things That the Richest People in the World Do. And, and, and it's so easy to get caught up in, like, what do I need to do to be something or to make something of myself? And some of those steps are good. I, I, I like reading some of that stuff from time to time because it just helps me see some of my own blind spots in, in productivity. But it's, it's good, but it's not great. It's not the fullness of or the foundation of the fruit that Jesus looks for. A fruitful life is reflected in, in our character at first, in who we are and who we're becoming, and not just our productiveness. You know, I bet you every HR person wishes they had a radar for character. You know, it'd be like, what have you done? Great. What do you, what do you think you'll do here? Great. But I, w- I bet you every HR person interviewing people would die for a, for a character radar. Because then it's only in meetings that character comes up. It's only in team projects that explode or implode because character messes it up. It's only the issues that happen between employees or employees and employers or other things where character comes up because the root of team relations or problems is often character. So I, I, I tried to scan some of the character issues in, in, in the workforce, and four of them jumped out at me. Bullying, discrimination, respect, it, lack of respect, dishonesty. That has nothing to do with like, how good you are at putting a presentation together. But it does have something to do with your character. So we might say, well, it's not really that relevant for my job or my relationships, but it is. What would happen if, if your coworkers came to your next meeting with joy and patience and self-control? What would happen if your spouse came and, in, and, and into your marriage came with peace and gentleness? What if you approached your neighborhood with faithfulness and kindness? What if your next challenge, you brought courage to the table and not just your skill? That's, that's something that happens in us. And that's the fruitfulness of a life abiding in Jesus. This is not a Christian example, but I was, I was taken back by this, um, this Japanese CEO. The story was going around the internet. His name is, uh, I, love the, I love saying this Japanese name, Haruka Nishamatsu. Isn't that awesome? What a name. Anyways, he's the CEO, or was, or is the CEO of one of the top airlines uh, in the world. I think part of the top 10. And when the, the market was crashing in, in 07, 08, 09, uh, he had to lay off people. He had to get some people off for early retirement. And, and uh, there was this news piece that went around because his decisions and his, 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 pers- his personality, his character, was starkly different from the states. And... When our market was crashing and, uh, and the top CEOs from the automotive industry were up in front of uh, Congress, you know, Congress said, like, have you guys, you know, maybe decided to go first class instead of taking your jet? You know, that was one of the questions they were asked. And this, this CEO, for at least a season or two, he dropped his salary in the recession to under $100,000 because he figured he's about the same age as those were going, who are going for early retirement. He, 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 under, he was trying to understand, how can I be with these people? How can we help this airline make it through this season? 
And he said one line. He said, business that has put money before people or even business that's put money before business is, is losing. And there was something about that that just everybody said, who is this guy? Why would he do that? There was something about his character that was different. There's this one business writer, his name is Jim Collins, and he wrote this book called Built to Last. And he just, you know, researched tons of companies that, that lasted long. And then he wrote another book called Good to Great and, and how you can, you can grow uh, in the workforce. And he describes these levels of leadership. And as he describes all the levels, he hits level five. And as he starts to describe level five and he's teaching around the country, some people start to say, there, there's someone else that looks like a level five leader. And, and people start at the point to Jesus. Because the level five leader that Jim Collins talks about is a, a leader with resilience to, to pour into people, resilience to get through challenges, resilience to work with his organization or her organization, and humility. Humility and modesty. And there was something about the top level leadership that reflects the heart of Jesus, the character of Jesus. A fruitful life is reflected in our character. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 16 to his disciples, he says, they will recognize you by your fruit. Isn't that amazing? When you and I reconcile a relationship, when you choose peace over war, when we choose love in tangible ways, when we practice patience with a friend or a coworker, when we remain faithful and courageous through a difficult season, when we walk through circumstances and, 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 and demonstrate faithfulness, when we give generously, even when it's sacrificial, when we serve, whether it's in the church or through the church or in our communities, sacrificially, when we joyfully live our life before our watching world, people step back and say, oh, there's something going on inside that person. That's fruit. That's a fruitful life. That, that's the expression of a fruitful life. Fruit that's growing in you soon spills out. And you know, people are looking for it. I know some of our high school students are here today in, in our group. And man, I think like in, our, in high school, how many, there's grade 7s and 8s and 9s and 10s and 11s or in college that are dying to, see, are dying to be embraced, welcomed, encouraged, sat with at lunch, brought into the game, stood up for. What would happen if, if high schoolers who were followers of Jesus, if what was happening inside them started to spill out, and all of a sudden people would say, There's, I recognize that fruit. What if that would happen in your workplace where you come along someone who needs a hand, or you support them, or you even, you even lift them up in front of others, and they say, what, why did you do that? And there's something in you that spills out. Or in our neighborhoods, so let, let's just kind of wrap this section up where we say, abiding in Christ bears fruit in you. If we want to ask, what is a fruitful life? Abiding in Jesus bears fruit in us. I think it's more than that. And it bears fruit through us. Jesus, his, part of his dream for us is not just that fruit grows in us, but it's that fruit grows through us. It's kind of like if the fruit's growing through the branches and you just stop it from coming through the bud, you're like, you're never going to see the fruit. You know what's happening inside. But Jesus, his, his desire is that the fruit that, we, that grows in us would be through us. And, that, and that's so amazing. G, one of the metaphors in the Gospels, and even in the New Testament, is this metaphor of harvest. So Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he tells the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Let's pray that God sends people out there. 
When Paul, uh, in, in Romans chapter one, uh, chapter 1, verse 13, his desire for the Roman church, as he, as he writes, re- writes to them, he says, I planned many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles. That was Paul giving his life for different cities and planting churches, and he uses the word harvest. There's a sense that there's fruit growing through him. And Jesus' desire for the disciples is that fruit would go, grow through them. There's so many people that we can impact in our world. It's not just what happens in us, but what happens through us. When we think about fruit, a fruitful life, Jesus came to save humanity from being lost without God. And he, he disciples his, his disciples. He mentors them. He calls them. He trains them to fulfill that mission so that as they live a fruitful life, you know what happens? People get affected. Communities get affected. Cities get affected. Provinces and nations get affected. When Jesus was saying, in a sense, goodbye to his disciples, he knew that he was eventually leading to death and resurrection. The, he, was, he was preparing them for a fruitful life to impact people. That's verse 16. When verse 16 says, I chose you to bear fruit that will last. Think about that. What lasts? I mean, we can die with our money in the bank. We can um, invent cool stuff, produce good products, provide services, and all that is part of a fruitful life. It is. But what Jesus is saying here is, will your life affect people? Because people last. People is, we have a stake in eternity with people. When we can reach people and we see people come to know Christ, people are made for eternity. So when our fruit impacts people, our fruit has an eternal impact. We will bear fruit that lasts because fruit that lasts is fruit that affects people. When a person's life is changed for eternity, that's fruit that will last. Because people are meant to be eternal. So here's this, this piece in here. Abiding in Christ bears fruit through you to the people around you. That's part of God's mission. Here's this, this third piece, and it's for something. It's, it's fruit for God. Here in verse 8, Jesus says, Oh, he's, I love this line. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's like there's something that happens when fruit grows in us and fruit grows through us and we impact people and God uses us that God gets glory, God gets worship, God gets attention. Is that it's, it's amazing. It's like it happens in us, it happens through us, and then it, it's worship to God. He gets glory because of it. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So when fruit is growing in us and through us and we're impacting people, we naturally point people to God. Because they ask why and how and how could this be possible and who's putting, who's doing this? Who's behind this? First Peter, uh, in Peter, Peter writes to this church and he says this in chapter 2, verse 12. He says, live such good lives among your culture that they will... See your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's fruit in, through us, and for God. That's just this amazing trajectory towards God. Remember, I was chatting with uh, Barb recently. She was telling me about some of the the teachers and administrators at Springdale and the, the program we run there and the food that we give. And it seems like every other month they 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 sometimes forget who's who's paying for this food? <laughs> Who, like, did, did you get this donated from, like, a, a company? And often, Barb will have to say, no, I mean, well, the P- 
people, people give money. People are doing this. This is coming from people that resource our mission, and part of our mission is you. And, so, and, and then they have to stop and say, oh, really? This comes from real people? This is not from like TD Bank at the corner of St. John's in Brunswick? Like, no, it's people. And that points them to God. So our fruit is through us, but then it's for God. It points people to him. So we abide in Christ and we bear fruit to God or for God in worship. Now here, this is a cool thing. Jesus says, my fruit or the fruit that will, will, you will bear, it's fruit that will last. So think about this. The fruit that comes from a life abiding in Jesus is eternal. So when fruit grows in you, what God is doing in you continues into eternity. God's not just finished with you. Not, he's not, it's not just today or tomorrow. It's what he's doing in you is forever. When, when Jesus says, when we embrace life in Jesus, eternity starts now. So it says, when you have, the Bible says, when you have Christ, you have life and life, to, and life eternal. So what God is doing in us, all that character transformation isn't only for now. It is for now, but it moves into eternity. And, and when God works through you and fruit grows through you and you affect people, the change that happens in people's lives, the, it's an eternal trajectory. We have the capacity to be used by God and that as we bear fruit, it's about people. And people's lives can be changed for eternity. And even the fruit that we live out, the reflection of a life that reflects God, it reflects eternity because whatever God's doing in us now and how God's using us to bless other people, that's just a glimpse, just like 10% of what eternity will be like. And so when we live that out, that's eternal. That's like people are saying, oh, that's what eternity is going to be like. That's what God's kingdom is going to be like. And so we have this eternal impact when we are fruitful. But here's this, here's this last piece, and it's the sense of being free. Because sometimes we think, oh, I mean, how much do I have to do? What should I really do? Uh, God, where do you want me to serve? And those are valid questions. But just think about this framework. For, if we want to call it a framework for success, our world might see it differently. But if you, if you just pause and say, if my framework was what God's doing in me, the fruit that's growing in me, the fruit that's growing through me, and the fruit that is for God, then you just ask yourself this question. What's, what's my life producing? Um, am I impacting people? Does my life point to Christ? Is God glorified through it? If you have this framework, then there's freedom to live your life. Because if you're living your life, really seeing fruit inside of you grow and fruit through you grow and fruit for God in worship, then almost any decision you make, if it's in that framework, fulfills God's will. Bob Joff, he's a, he wrote this book called Love Does, and he's a lawyer, and he teaches law at, I think, Pepperdine High School, uh, high school, college or university uh, on, on the West Coast, and he started some charities in Uganda. Amazing guy, and so in love of life. Like, if I hear people that go out to his place just have such a blast because he has such a love for life. And he's a lawyer and a, and, a, and a student of law and a professor in law, and so he has the capacity to make money and be, and be successful, and he does all that stuff, but he's, he's using his life also to make a difference uh, in different parts of the world. And he writes this. He says, if you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, then just do stuff. 
Now, it's really simplistic, right? Like, maybe you want to say, is there a filter? Is there stuff I shouldn't do? Uh, where should I do this stuff? How should I do this stuff? Is there a monetary thing attached to it? Do we have a budget? That's all the stuff we can get into, and it gets boring when we get to that part. But we, No, not boring, but like, um, I guess intricate. Think about the front end. Bob Joff says, if you love God with all your heart, and you love your neighbor as yourself, then do stuff. Live your life. And so the fruitful life, when fruit is growing in us, when fruit is growing through us, when our fruit is for God, then we're free to live a life in his will. And I love how Jesus ends in verse 16. He says, you didn't choose me. He says, I chose you and I appointed you. And what does he say? So that you might go and bear fruit. I've chosen you. I've appointed you to go and bear fruit. Jesus says, if you abide in me and fruit is growing in you and fruit is growing through you and, and all this is for God's glory, then really you can, you will, anything you do will be fruitful for my kingdom because this is your framework. And this framework leads you into God's purposes. And so he says, go and bear fruit. And he even says this, ask whatever you want in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Why would God just give you anything that you ask for? Wouldn't that be strange? But if it's in that framework, anything you ask for fulfills his will. Anything you ask for brings him glory. Anything you ask for is for the benefit of others. Anything you ask for is for the the, the transformation in your heart as God's kingdom works in you. And so Jesus says, go, bear fruit, and ask whatever you wish in my name, and it'll be given to you because you are in the movement of a fruitful life that is sourced, connected to Jesus as the vine. Go, do. Jesus says, Without me, you will do nothing. But with me, you'll bear much fruit. And Dallas Willard says, after, you know, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I love what Dallas Willard says. If we do nothing, it will certainly be without him. Jesus says, go. But if we do nothing, we're for certain God is not with us because he's telling us to go, to bear fruit, to move forward. And Jesus says, I've chosen you to bear fruit that will last. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. And, um, I'm getting tired of standing so high from everybody. I'm just going to sit right here. because. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Jesus tells us to go and bear fruit a week ago. Um, during the week of prayer, my son and my family were sitting on, it was a Monday night and it was a week of prayer. And so we read through John 15 together again. And we just, you know, read through it and said, Lord, how would you lead us? And it was amazing. Um, we, we got to verse 16 and we were talking a little bit. And so we just said, what, what, is, what, what verse jumps out to you? And this doesn't always happen, trust me, when we're reading the Bible together as a family. It's not, it doesn't always just happen this nicely. But uh, Andrew says, oh, you know what? He said, um, if my friends ask me what it means to be a Christian, I think I'm going to tell them John 15, verse 16. And I said, why? What, what do you mean? And, and he said, well, because it's, these words are so full of purpose. And he said, and people need to know that they have purpose. And, I th- and I'm telling you, I never, I didn't, I was just blown away. I thought, that's so true. 
Like if people could hear that they're chosen by Jesus, he loves them so much to go and bear fruit that will last. Isn't that one of the most amazing articulations of the gospel? And people are just hungering for that, thirsty for that. And I thought that is so true that when people ask us, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to embrace the gospel? Why does he ask us to come and give our lives to him? And we would say, you know why? Because he's chosen you for a purpose. He's chosen you to bear fruit. And when you give your life to him and when you trust him, fruit grows inside of you. That character transformation you long for that you just can't accomplish on your own, Jesus works in you. And, and how, you, how you have a hunger to bless people, but you often wonder, does, can my heart really sustain this? Do I really care? Jesus starts to grow that in you. And then you wonder, is there a bigger purpose for my life? Well, yes, when you come to know Jesus, you start to realize that your life is made for worship. And the God that's created you loves you, and we respond back to him in worship. And so as we consider this, I just I want us to just um, consider what a fruitful life looks like. That's part of the heart of the gospel. Now, maybe you're, you're here and you're saying, I'm not fully there yet. I don't know where I am in this whole, this whole process. Think about John 15 for a second. And as we pray, I want you to pray wherever you are in this journey. But listen, John 15 starts with no fruit. Jesus says there's some people who bear no fruit. There's people who will bear some fruit. In me you will bear uh, much fruit and more fruit. And then in the end, Jesus says, I've chosen you to bear fruit that will last. I don't know if that was intentional on John's part as he was telling us this story. But, and I've read this for the last six weeks, and I only caught it this week. I thought, what an amazing trajectory. No fruit, some fruit, much fruit, and fruit that will last. I mean, that's the goal, is fruit that will last. But maybe we're just somewhere along the journey. And the beautiful thing is God, God's our gardener. And he wants to prune us and shape us and grow our hearts because he, he longs for us to bear much fruit that will last. Are we ready to, to, to surrender to him, to fulfill that in us? Let's pray. And, and as we pray today, if you're here um, and you're just wondering, how do I even get started? Getting started is saying, Jesus, I want to be connected to you in relationship, just like a branch is to a vine. So I want to trust you. I, I don't want to live my life without you. And you know what? You can. We can. There is a part where Jesus says the branches that are not connected are wasted, are lost. And so you can have a fruitful life or a wasted life. Jesus' desire for all of us is that we would have a fruitful life, fruit that will last. Let's pray. If maybe you're praying something like this for the first time, just encourage you to put your trust in Christ and um, ask Him to lead your life. Express your desire to be connected to Him as a branch is connected to the vine. Admit, acknowledge that life without Him is lost. And that you've come to understand that. And you confess that you've been walking, doing life without him. That's what repentance is. But then trusting and believing that he is who he said he is. 
that he is God's son, that he has gone to the cross for you and resurrected and ascended and that he longs for you to be in relationship with him and abide in him. If that's where your heart is today, tell him and make that step forward. God, for anyone in our gathering today that is um, making a step like that, I pray that I pray your promises. You promise to reveal yourself to us as we draw close to you. So do that in anyone's heart today in life that is making a step towards you. And God, for all of us, thank you, thank you. Thank you that Jesus is the true vine. Thank you that you are just the most amazing and intelligent and resourceful gardener. Thank you that an invitation to follow you is not dry, is not religious, but is relational, that we are connected to you, that we are in relationship with you, and that our lives can be caught up in you as we abide in Christ. God, we also desire to bear much fruit. And Lord, you are so faithful. You are for us. And and we have been chosen to bear fruit. And, and maybe we're at somewhere in the journey. Maybe we're just bearing some fruit. Or maybe there's some obstacles in the way. And over the course of the last few weeks or even today, you're, you want to work in us and get our attention because we have not uh, moved forward. We have allowed things to be in the way. And we just say, Lord, do whatever you need to in our lives to clear the path so the source of life of Jesus can flow through us. God, I I surrender my life and I pray we can surrender ours um, to abide in Jesus so deeply that fruit will grow in us and through us and for you and that we can sense the freedom and joy and purpose of going and bearing fruit within this amazing framework and relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.